Support for Best of Belfast comes from listeners just like me who love Northern Ireland and believe we have a better story to tell. A massive thanks to all of you listening who have already joined the Producers Club, especially our Titanic producers, Barclays Eagle Labs, Ulster University, Young Enterprise Northern Ireland, Gavin Wall, Peter Dixon, and of course, the Orma Baths team. Today's episode wouldn't exist without you. To find out more about how you can support independent ad-free media, get invitations to live podcasts, and submit questions to our guests, please visit bestofbelfast.org. Thanks so much, and really hope you enjoy today's show. So yeah, just about to take a phone call with the absolute legendary Julian Simmons. Julian Simmons is described by my listeners anyway as the voice of Northern Ireland, and I think they're pretty spot on. If you grew up watching TV in Northern Ireland, then you know exactly who Julian is. He is renowned famous for his legendary transitions, particularly before Coronation Street. He's gone on to have a very, very successful career in media. He is one of the most recognisable voices and faces in Northern Ireland, and I am absolutely chuffed to have the opportunity just to find out a bit more about him, hear his story, and just catch up and see how he's doing over these last few weeks. So Julian is one of the most requested people to come on the show. You guys have asked, and here we are. Thanks to Chris and the Producers Club for the recommendation, and also the magical connection. You know how Northern Ireland works. Somebody always knows somebody who knows somebody's friend, knows somebody's dad's brother's dog's uncle's cousin, and uh, I really appreciate you, Chris, for, for setting that up. So without further ado, here we go. Calls to this number are being screened by BT Call Guardian. Please tell your name after the tone, then press hash and wait to be connected. Hash? Matthew Thompson, Best of Belfast. Oh, let's see. High tech. Oh man, ghosted by Julian. Absolutely gutted. Hello. Hello. Are we in business? The wonders of modern technology, honest <laughs> to goodness. As soon as I switched this mobile off, everything went dead. They're putting men on the moon, like, you know, it's ridiculous. People say we rely too much on our phones, but they really do. No, they seem to control you're everything. Right. You're right. <laughs> oh, man, I felt like it was getting through Fort Knox security there. I had to say my name and all, and then your uh, personal security guard, Butler, had oh, to let us in. Sad. Well, I, do, I see, I... I've, uh, no, nobody ever rings me on this line now. I'd use it just for a connection to uh, internet and everything. But yeah. anyway, there we are. I've learned something today. <laughs> Fascinating, man. So you were caught up in a lot of work stuff today, or what was the Very crack? much so, yes. Um, uh, you know, there was a lot of program changes initially anyway. And then uh, but in the middle of the afternoon, ITV decided there was going to be uh, an, an announcement into the second Emmerdale to say that there was, there was we were going to all join in the clapping for the oh, NHS Oh, yes, staff. that's right. So I had to go back in and record that and the, <laughs> and the end bit of it as well. So at least it's all sorted, and I just hope it goes. I will, now, I will not get to hear it now, but... We might hear the clapping across Belfast. You never. Know. <laughs> yeah, the the microphone's pretty sensitive. It should pick it up. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, are you happy enough for me to get going? Yeah. 
Absolutely. Awesome. So, really simply, this it is... It does sound as if you're talking to me down a tin can on a string. <laughs> <laughs> does that... <laughs> that's better. Oh, yeah, that that's sounds better, better there. Now. Awesome. Okay, so I, you see, I have this... Um, I'm in my garden shed at the minute. We have a recording studio in Ormo Bath, which is the beautiful kind of building opposite oh, of course, Limelight. Yeah. And um, but obviously face to face interviews out the window. So I'm currently in a makeshift studio in the garden shed with like you know blankets and everything around me to try to reduce the echo. Oh, well, that's so. It, it 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 does sound all right. Be okay. <laughs> Never worry. So the question that we have been starting off most of these episodes, and we've done over 110, is really simply: What is your first memory? And if you have one, and if you don't mind sharing it, we'd absolutely love to hear it. Well, I guess my first memory was a bit uh, like of a sort of, uh, well, not a foreboding, but the shape of things to come. Because my first memory is sitting on an aircraft beside my father and being gloriously sick all over his trousers (laughs) um, as the aircraft was bumping about the skies. Uh, That was on just on a flight from Belfast to London. Yeah. And believe it or not, it was an old British European Airways Dakota. Oh, wow. And it was was two and a half hours of parquetry if you weren't (laughs) a good traveler, which I wasn't in those days. Thank God I'm a bit better now because I've had to be. Sure. But uh, um, uh, but uh, as a kid, I mean, I must have been only months old at that time, but I knew what was going on, and uh, I knew it was on an aircraft, and the turbulence was so bad that it made me sick all over my da. <laughs> all over your poor da, flips. Yeah, so, I mean, he was one of the whole brunt of everything. Amazing. So, am I right in saying you had a career in air travel, or is that just some sort of urban yes, legend? I did. I worked for Air Canada in Terminal 3 at Heathrow. Oh, wow. Uh, and before that, I was in the Air Canada office in Canada House in North Street, oh, yeah. which was where the Canadian immigration offices were. And also uh, un- underneath us on the ground floor was the Bank of Nova Scotia. Ah, so it yes. was all a Canadian, a Canadian-oriented building, really. Yeah, you know. And um, it was it, that I was in there for five years, and at that stage, at the end of that, they came and they said. We are going to close the Belfast office, mm. um, but we're offering you a position in London. And I thought, mm. and I was, I, UTV had started at that stage. So yeah. I was going to really muck everything up. But I thought, I'll give it a whirl. I'll try it for six months. And I stayed for nearly 15 years. <laughs> but I loved every minute of it. I mean, it was it was so over the top working in Terminal 3 yeah. and dealing with, as they say, all aspects of the human condition, <laughs> which I loved doing because, my goodness me, I was a relative greenhorn before I went to London. Yes. But by the time I'd done two years there, I'd had my eyes well and truly open <laughs> about many things. I bet. And uh, seen passengers red and tooth and claw like you know yeah do you have like a a standout story from i mean it's a huge chunk of your life that you you spent working in uh the air travel business but do you have anything that kind of stood out to you oh gosh there's so much uh, i'm trying to think of stuff that's decent to give out on air because <laughs> we, we we saw so much yeah, um, I bet. but there was a lot of funny incidents and like people seeing each other off uh, on flights and they're 
really under the staircase at the bottom of the stairs in Terminal 3 making love to each other. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> I know what you mean. <laughs> and you're going and saying, excuse me, uh, if you're traveling on Air Canada 857, you need to be at the gate now, <laughs> sir. Could you put your clothes back on and get down the road? <laughs> so we really, you know, we really did see it all. And of course, there were so many hilarious things with passengers that you couldn't really talk about on the yeah, radio. sure, sure. I hear you. So w- was there a reason why you got into the travel business? What was it that kind of drew well, you in? Well, that's how I started off. I was always mad on air- aircraft and airlines. And when I left school, I walked. I started working at a travel agency. Okay. Uh, to, you know, get used to dealing with the public and everything. And from there, I graduated into... Air Canada, and that was a a few years later. Mm. But the airline was what I always wanted, and Air Canada was the airline that I wanted. Yeah, that's amazing. And I was very lucky that I got it. Very lucky. And, uh, you know, my mum and dad were from England, and I had spent much of my time as a kid at holiday time in England, but it doesn't prepare you for actually working in London, at London Heathrow. Uh, for you know, for your career and dealing with the co- there's there's a coldness really with people in the in that part of England really because they travel such far distances to get to work yeah and you know they don't want to get involved in conversations or like you know in Belfast when you get on a bus you're talking to everybody and anybody <laughs> yeah but absolutely it, it doesn't happen. And now it doesn't really happen in any other part of the world, really. That's what I love about Northern Ireland. That's why I wouldn't live anywhere else. Yeah, it's really class. So, where were you born and bred? Where did you go to school? All that. I went to Methody. Went to the Methodist College, and uh, uh, you know, I, I was quite good at English. Do you know what? I got good marks in English language and literature, good marks in geography, and you know what else I got? What? Divinity. Imagine me with divinity, <laughs> religious education. I Amazing. don't know why, but I did very well in that. Were um, you brought up with the faith, or no? I wasn't. I was Church of England, Church of Ireland, really. <laughs> and okay, I was in the choir and and the bell ringer and everything. Aye. but I mean it, that was the fun aspect of it. <laughs> I wasn't really terribly devout. Okay, I said my prayers and everything. But, yeah, you know. I mean, if I walked into a church now, I'd be struck down by a thunderbolt. <laughs> Amazing. And so when did media start coming into it? When did UTV, was UTV your first kind of gig in media? I suppose it was. I did a few spots on the Water Love radio show. But then somebody saw me on the stage in Hollywood I'm talking County Down here, not <laughs> California. I was in the Hollywood Players, and I was in a Belfast comedy, which got riotous reviews and was packed out every night called Leave It to the Boys by Trevor Hughes. It was about the troubles in Northern Ireland and all the um, wide boys that get involved into the, 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 the troubles for money. And I played this volunteer in the IRA uh, uh, with a broad Belfast accent and thank God it brought the house down (laughs) and somebody somebody saw me and said oh you should be in TV I know who you should write to write to this person Mm. 
which was Mr. Bram Henderson, the managing director of UTV, but I didn't realise that. And I wrote to him, and uh, and as it so happened, his wife was the sister of a girl I used to run about, run about with when I was 10 or 11. And she looked at this photograph and said, my goodness, that's Julian. So I guess that's why I got bumped up the list. <laughs> it's all about who you know, isn't it? Well, this is it. But I didn't know who I knew, really. And uh, so I went in for an audition and they, they gave me a news bulletin to read and uh, tell us uh, in a minute and a half a bit about yourself. Well, you've got to pull your stories out of the air to tell people, you yeah, know? Yeah. And the next thing I was called back again for another audition and another one. And the next thing I got was, do come in. We'd like you to do a six-week trial. Wow. Two weeks in double harness and four weeks, uh, f you know, by yourself, flying freelance. Yeah. Um, so I, uh, I, I went in and I learned. I read the news. I read the sports results. I did the intros to the program. And we also had to read commercials in the breaks, voiceover commercials that were done live. Wow. And, oh, God, some of the Horlicks I made, made doing those. <laughs> you know, they, you, you got a, they said to me on my second week, now here's the adverts for the next break. Make every one of these sound different, be bright and breezy, and remember these are keeping you in a job and the station on the air. So, no big deal. <laughs> no big deal. Like, And all these other adverts were running for cars and washing machines and uh, prestige products. You know, filmed adverts. And then, click, the light goes on. And I have spar tea bags are down again. Now only 49p. <laughs> Mother care. Fantastic sale begins tomorrow. Girdles from 450. Bras from 350. And I should have said tights from 99p. <laughs> but I said tits from 99p. <laughs> and of course, I thought, my God, I'm out on me ear when I hear about this. And I thought Mother Care were going to go ballistic. Yeah. But Mother Care were all delighted with the phone calls they got the next day. Oh, my goodness. Mostly dirty old brutes, mind you. <laughs> and all this. But they, they kept me on. And by hook or by crook, the next thing I was offered a contract to do the light entertainment programs at the weekend, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And then that was ex extended to Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And that's what I've done for, for from in infinity and beyond, really. <laughs> so, I mean, really, you are, you're trying to fill that space in between things. And so do, did you know exactly how long you had to do that? Oh, you do. And you've got to learn to time it right on the button. Wow. Uh, and and you can't be too short and just be left sitting blinking at the camera. <laughs> and you can't be, you know, if you go on too long, you'll be woof, cut off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which will make you look even more ridiculous. So all of all those transitions that you're, you're really well known for, like all over the years, would you practice them before? Would you have a general idea well, you, what was going to happen? You script them and you and you run them through to see the timing of it and yeah. make sure it's all right and adjust it to what will fit. And then you have to be prepared for the fact when you're actually on air, some of the breaks would widen. Wow. And by the time it got to your bit that you'd recorded 20 seconds for, 
it had gone to 40. Oh, my goodness. So you had to be prepared to extend it and have in, up your costume things you could talk about maybe later in the night, our late movie is, or don't forget our, our, our prime drama tonight at 9 o'clock, blah, 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 but now on the UTV and then go into your soap, <laughs> bad, soap thing and all, you know? Yeah, yeah. So was that something that you just got better at did you put did you like put a lot of effort into it what happened was all all intros had to be done in a fairly uh upmarket way because it was utv and you had to be remember where you were and who you were and what who you were representing okay but one christmas you see i i did i did a christmas on air four nights i remember including christmas day and Boston day, when i didn't have any news to do oh wow so it was just all linking <laughs> and in, intros and vision. And I thought, well, I'm going to do this my way and see. And I started acting the league. I mean, the first thing I think I ever did it with was Ghostbusters, okay. the movie. And I hammed up the intro into that and then took off from there. <laughs> and then later, once we got into the new year, I met one of the bosses of UTV on the stairs. Okay. And he said to me, I watched you over Christmas and I thought you did a great job and a lot of, a lot of humor. Yeah. So try and keep that going if you can. Great. So eventually uh, what they did was when, the, when uh, instead of doing the news that night, somebody else did the news and I just did all the linking. <laughs> so I could, you know, let rip in a way. Yeah, yeah. You know, because you can't really be taking a hand out of Vera Duckworth at half past seven <laughs> and sitting with a face like a Poe at half ten, reading the news where there's been some big tragedy and all that. You just can't do that. Yeah. Um, are, you, are you aware of, um, have you ever heard of a website called change.org? Yes, I, I keep getting uh, things <laughs> recently, text, and they want me to sign things and everything. Well, do you know a bit more about them? Okay, so it's like a, like a petition website, and it's it's for very serious things, you know, the um, issues that people are trying to bring to the government's attention, and if you get enough signatures, well, sometimes yes. it will go and it'll be... Yes, yeah, so I've, I've done a couple of them. Yeah, well, there is a, a Northern Irish uh, thing on change.org, and it says, petition to bring Julian Simmons back to do the intro for Coronation Street. Have you seen that? <laughs> well, I, I've heard about it, and people are forever telling me that they, they, you know, that they would like me back hosting all the intros to all the programs at the weekend. But of course, with the way ITV do work now, that can't happen because we pre-record everything. Yes. And whereas I used to have a continuity studio in Havelock House in City Keys Two, all I've got is a booth to do my recording in. Yeah. You know. And I don't think, I don't, uh, ITV don't seem to be interested in having that, although they do appreciate from what people say that what, the way, the way I did stuff was popular with the public. Yeah. And indeed, you know, the public still, there's some, you know, I'm out and about, a wee woman came up to me the other day, oh, Julian off the TV, I love for <laughs> to see you on the TV, and your dicky bows and all the beautiful, I see you every night with your, and I thought, 
I haven't worn dicky bows to introduce the programme since the Shankill bombing. <laughs> I took my dicky bows off that night. Only time I wore a black dicky bows at Christmas and New Year. Yeah, yeah. But I never wore... But as far as that wee woman is concerned... Every when night. When she hears my voice, she thinks I'm sitting there with a dicky bow on. Yeah, yeah. Doing, and, she, and, and she still thinks she can see me, you know? <laughs> so, I mean, like... I, so I have a whole bunch of kind of like questions that have been submitted by uh, listeners and supporters of the show. And a lot of them are kind of around this idea of uh, you being Northern Ireland's first personal brand. My personal brand is it's kind of like a new phrase and everyone now has their Instagram and they have their identity and everyone's trying to have their weak quirks to make them stand out. But there really was, you know, you mentioned the dicky bow and the voice and like you really had such a unique and strong personality that people really latched onto. Yeah, like, well well that 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 was that, that really is nice, you know. And I mean I'm still asked to do appearances and host shows every now and again and you know, I mean uh, people still still are, seem to be fond of me and and want me to do that sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, they want me to go into the Belfast isms and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, of course, working at the airport and Heathrow, at Heathrow, seeing all aspects of the human condition, it gives you quite a, a jagged edge to your tongue. Yes. You know? <laughs> so, I mean, all that, all that was part and parcel in making me the person I am, dealing with all that, and then, you know, commuting backwards and forwards to Belfast, talking to people on aircraft, and hearing what they liked, and then, you know, hearing people talk on buses about the program, mm. you know, so all that goes into the into the whole making of the way you do things, yeah. really. So whenever you were on the airplanes, would you have done the, the announcements over the tunnel? Many and... the time, yeah. Wow, yes, and that makes I, a lot of sense. On Air Canada, I had to do uh, arrival announcements in English and in French. Oh, wow. You know, and boarding announcements in English and French. Fantastic. And uh, so you had to... And when, when at one stage we had, for two or three years, a series of uh, jumbo 747s coming in on a Friday into Belfast mm. to do uh, charters to Toronto, um, I used to, didn't have to go to London on those days. So I uh, was... Uh, you know, I would I would be at the international airport doing the boarding and all, and ha- having to follow the regulations of doing it in both in English and in French. Yeah, because French Canadians used to kick up almighty whatever. Yeah, if I did, <laughs> you know, you had you had Montreal crews operating the flight sometimes. Wow. And I'd get on the aircraft and say, good morning, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Belfast. The local time is half past seven. <laughs> Passengers who require wheelchairs or assistance, please remain seated. And then you'd have some flight attendant coming, oh, why are you not saying in fact? <laughs> and I'd say, because it's to say, who does he think he is? <laughs> you know? But sometimes, you know, you, you have to do it sometimes. I didn't do it every time in Belfast, but if you had a uh, crew who were indignant, I did it. Yeah, and so did, like, could you speak French or did you just learn the script? I, I t- was taught French at school. I had a, quite a good knowledge of French, but doing uh, the announcements, well, you just pick it all up. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, uh, and you've got to make it all sound like milk and honey, you know. <laughs> Madame and Monsieur, bonjour et bienvenue, le vol à Canada, suite son sans concept, destination de Toronto, zéro bientôt, people in Bacamar. There you go. And all this. You never lose it. It all sound lovely. And and some sometimes you know uh, you know they they come up and 
speak to me at the desk. And there's various aspects of uh, of the Canadian accent in Montreal. And I have to, used to have to ask them to speak to me slowly, please. Lentement, s'il vous plaît, madame. Lentement. Speak slowly because I can't understand what you're saying. <laughs> oh, I have another lovely wee question in here uh, from Sarah. And she asks, hey, Julian, uh, big, fa- <laughs> big fan of, your, of yours. Oh, darling. Did you ever see the mural opposite the dirty onion and what did you think of it oh yes yes i went down for photographs in front of that with uh visual waste um, dean kane y- yes a, a group of us went down and it, it went up there uh I thought, <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't particularly flattering but at least it was nice to be on the gable wall <laughs> yeah it was a bit cartoony wasn't it <laughs> it was yes but it was it was much appreciated it was nice of them to include me that's amazing so great. So the whole continuity thing was one of the reasons why it's not done now is simply because technology has changed and moved on. Yes, and I suppose ITV would look on it as very old-fashioned. Yes. But so, uh, you see, everything in Northern Ireland, everything can be done differently. And Northern Ireland people like it, like, like it to be done the way they like it. Yes. But... Uh, you know, we've it's between a rock and a hard place now. Yeah, it's I hear not you. gonna change. Yeah. And so what is it that you what do you get up to now? What does your well, week to week sort of look like? Well my my four my four main days for continuity are Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Mm-hmm. Uh I have Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday off, although those are sometimes taken up by hosting uh fashion shows or things like that. Yes. Or you know, but the fashion, the, the big fashion shows are dying out now. Mm-hmm. But those used to be all the rage at certain seasons of the year. Then, you know, opening shops and things like that, still doing that sort of thing. But uh, it, it's very nice. But, uh, you know, I'm, uh, it's nice to be still remembered. Yeah. You know. Yeah, of course. <laughs> One thing never forgotten. Like. <laughs> uh, Davy here asks, "Hey Julian, what do you do to to relax and unwind when you're not working?" Well, when I'm not working, um, I, I, I talked about commuting to and from London for my job. Well, what I used to, I a lot of my friends were Belfast-based British Airways shuttle crew. Okay, um, we used to go out socially of an evening, go to go to the Chinese and then out to clubs and things like that. And used to go to London for the day together and all that sort of thing. And then 9-11 happened and the Belfast base was closed. And they all went to long haul, operating flights all over the world for British Airways. Well, nothing would do me, but I used to go with them. (laughs) I mean, two weeks ago, I was in Brazil for four days. Oh, my goodness. On a four-day Rio, walking in the sunshine on the promenade there on Ipanema Beach and walking on the beach with the waves and, you know, around my feet and lovely, hot, sunny days, blue sky, going out with the crew for the evening. And then you fly back here and it's up. There wasn't one word in Brazil about coronavirus. Yes. And then you come back into Belfast and, of course, it's all going on big time. Yeah. Like it was when it left four days earlier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I I do things like five-day Hong Kongs, well, I used to do before the situation arrived. And my favorite was the nine-day Bangkok-Sydney. Mm. Leave London, two days in Bangkok, almost to Sydney, two days there, back to Bangkok, two days, 
and then back to London, and you were the, you were there nine days. The whole trip was nine days. Yeah. You were absolutely wrecked. Yeah, I, I bet. I mean, that does not uh, does not sound like my idea of like a holiday. Oh, I, was, I loved it. I loved <laughs> you must it. you must still love flying. Going out and doing the clubs in Bangkok and everything, bed, supper, and oh, fantastic. <laughs> Uh, but when you got back into Belfast, both of your eyes were looking at each other, like, you know. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, like, you love traveling so much. You truly love, you know, new places and you love sun. Oh, yes. I, I, I travel, well, until all this happened. Yeah. Uh, I was traveling about four or five times a year Yeah. Uh, on trips around the world with, with cabin crew friends. And uh, and also having as many holidays because those are not. But people think, oh, did you have a nice holiday? I said it wasn't a holiday; it was a four-day trip, five-day trip. Yeah. It's not a holiday; it's like an obstacle course. <laughs> but I love it. But so I, I travel and have as many holidays as I can. That's yeah. what I put all my do re me into. Sure. So why why stay in Northern Ireland? What is it that keeps you here? I wouldn't live anywhere else in the world. Um, uh, at one stage, uh, when Air Canada closed the office in Belfast, I tried living in London for yeah. a year and three months. And indeed, my mum came as well. Oh, wow. Because she was a London girl, really. And uh, she rejoined the National Theatre and was going to meet former friends all around London. And one day, I came back into the apartment and said, Mum, I hate this. I mm. hate living here. She says, well, so do I. I said, right, home. So Air Canada, at that stage, I had just started working in passenger service in Terminal 3. And there was a six-day on, four-day off assignment. Yeah. And I knew I could wangle that. And so I used to. And I came home and I did four days in London, back home for seven days. And and, and, and it used to be, you know, uh, when I was doing continuity, like, so regularly, um, I'd be on the Airbus. You know, there used to be a little bus running up to the airport. It was called the Airbus. It was like an ice cream van. <laughs> it held about f- 15 people. Okay. And it was, it was shaped like an ice cream van. And I'm on the, going, going up the road to the airport, and, that, and my mobile would go. And it's somebody to say that a gladiator was due to come to Porter Down the day, the day after the next. And they have chickened out. Would I please do the gig? <laughs> so I used to think, I said, you should say to my agent, oh, yes. And I'd fly to London, get off, uh, go and wa- walk into passenger service in Terminal 3. Who will work tomorrow night for me? You used to wave cash at them, you think. <laughs> and it was grabbed out of your hand. Wow. And, and then I had to fix up so I could, I, I'd arrived into London and I had to, I had to get it work so it do, I was working to midnight, but I needed to get on the half-eight shuttle back to Belfast. Crazy. And then I'd get somebody to work those last four hours for me Yeah. To, from eight o'clock. And then I'd run like bejesus round to Terminal 1 <laughs> and get on the half-eight shuttle home. Amazing. Yeah. So it, it, that, was, that, was, that was a real case of life on the edge, I can tell you. Yeah. Yeah, I bet. And there was many a night in those days. It would never happen now when the Tridents were on. That it was full. The half eight out of London was full an awful lot of the times. But they, the crew would take me on and I'd sit in the toilet for takeoff, <laughs> holding onto the walls <laughs> to brace me. Like they would never permit that now. 
And then when the aircraft was airborne, you have to come up out of the toilet to free it up and go into the galley. Oh, my word. And sit on a jump seat in the galley. And then (laughs) you'd go back into it for landing, you know? Yeah, yeah. Which was was such a laugh doing all that. But that's how I built up a great friendship with the crew crew members. That's great. And two or three of them have been my best friends, really, you know? So good. So... One of the questions that we ask people, these are kind of stock questions that are on every single episode. And uh, we love asking Northern Irish people this question because it's a bit hard one for us. And that is out of all of your life experience so far, what do you describe as your most successful moment? Because you've clearly experienced a lot. You've clearly done a lot. Um, Um, In in your own opinion, what are you most proud of? Well, I I, I did have a a holiday series called... um, Come fly with Julian, mm. and to the, uh, indeed, I would love to resurrect that. But um, uh, it, that was great fun doing that, traveling around Europe and doing various destinations. Thoroughly enjoyed that. That was when I thought, oh, I've really, I've arrived now. This is great. Yeah, you know. Yeah. And um, being asked to do appearances all over Ireland in Cork and in, Sh- in Limerick and all that. So it's, I mean, it's amazing. That the, the 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 coverage that UTV had. Yeah. I mean, I was sitting in Shanghai one day with I was on a trip, and we went into a Starbucks in a shopping mall in Shanghai, and uh, we were sitting talking, and I suddenly was aware of people on the corner table, and they were all looking, <laughs> and I thought, and then what they a couple of them came over, indeed, where where they were from Southern Ireland. Wow. And they watched UTV all the time. And was I the fellow of UTV? <laughs> I said, "Am I what?" <laughs> you know. So that, that's that, that's really you know. I mean, all that was re- was really super. Yeah, yeah. You know. Um, how about the flip side of that question? Uh, biggest challenge you've experienced, or you know, greatest obstacle that you have overcome? And if you don't mind sharing, how were you able to overcome that? Well, I suppose thing thing was uh, in 2011, I started feeling very lethargic and tired, and uh, this went on from I thought it would pass, and it went on. And we came into July. I was in a really busy period in July, doing various fashion things every night, mm. and uh, on the last night. I'd noticed that my ankles and everything had swollen up. Okay. And I knew then that this was heart problems. Oh, wow. And I thought, when I've got this show done, I'm going straight to the Ulster Hospital to uh, get them to look at me. Yeah. And uh, my friend Christine uh, and her family were uh, were leaving that evening for Marbella, so I wanted them completely away before I did this. I didn't want them to know anything about it. Yeah. And I did the show in uh, House of Fraser, actually. Oh, wow. And went back, I had a room in the Europa, went back to that, changed, and got a cab and went up to the Elster Hospital. And for some reason that night, it was there was nobody there in, <sighs> in A&E. And I went up to the to the desk, and the wee lady behind us says, "Up, oh, Julian, hello. Since <laughs> the last time I saw you, you were up here with your mother." I says, yeah, "That's right." She says, "Well, who have you brought up tonight?" I says, "Who have I brought up? Love, I'm not a bit well." <laughs> and I was rushed. So they whisked me straight in, 
And within half an hour, they decided that I wasn't going anywhere. Wow. And I was in, I was in Ward 16 at the Ulster Hospital for the guts of two months. The Whoa. first month, they, they were deciding what was going to happen. And then a surgeon came to see me and he said, uh, Miss, uh, uh, he said, I am, I'm, I'm going to do surgery on you when I come back from holiday. He says, I'm going off on my yacht. He says, but you are staying here. So I had my own room and everything, room four, but I called it executive suite four. <laughs> and people from UTV used to come up and friends and all at lunchtime and also in the evening. It was like party central. <laughs> And I, I, so many people were very kind to bring me up soft drinks and everything. I had a non-alcoholic cocktail bar oh. with crisps and Maltesers and everything else and all these various drinks that we could mix up and they could have non-alcoholic. <laughs> and before every visiting time, I used to go along to the kitchen and get jugs full of ice <laughs> and say to the ladies at the end, it's, it's you know, it's martini time, girls. <laughs> So, but of course, it was all non-alcoholic. Do you mind uh, sharing a wee non-alcoholic recipe with us? It was, it was. I think it was grapefruit juice and lemon juice, and uh, a cherry thing was put into it as well, mm. and it was shaken up. And everybody said they liked it with loads of ice, so it was very nice. An executive sweet for I can tell you. <laughs> and what's your favorite type of crisps? Oh, plain, just. I don't want any uh, cheese and onion or smoky beef. Or, just plain crisps. <laughs> Thank you. Nice. <laughs> Very nice. Um, got but another. the nurses in Ward 16 and Sister Tanya, they were all fabulous with me. Absolutely. I mean, when I first heard that I was going to have a quadruple bypass, I was <laughs> terrified. Absolutely. But they got me into this sort of, ach, to a penny. <laughs> you know, happens all the time. We do so quadruple bypasses all the time. Don't worry oh, about yeah. it. There's just no problem. No, and, and I have to say, neither it was. Wow. I didn't have any after effects or anything. I just went to my. I came out of hospital and went to my friend's Christine's house for two weeks, and then I came home, and that was it. Wow. Amazing. Right as rain. Class. Mm-hmm. Well, Another question we always ask people is, if you could take anyone from Northern Ireland out for, uh, I used to say a coffee or a pint, but in your case, we'll say uh, one of these swanky, non-alcoholic cocktails. Who, <laughs> <laughs> who would you take and uh, where would you take in them? In Northern Ireland? Yeah. Uh, there's so many people to take out in Northern Ireland. I mean, uh, celebrity-wise, if I ever did, I would love to take Julie Walters. Now, she's not a Northern Ireland person, mm. but she, I've always thought she's a, a brilliant actress. But in Northern Ireland, God, it could be umpteen people. Yeah. You know, there are so many people. I, I, I really couldn't single it down to one person. So sometimes, because it is a very hard question because there is so many people, um, sometimes we ask, we kind of throw in the wee caveat, dead or alive. You know, if you could go back to... Uh, someone from history or even someone, you know, in the last 50 years, who who would you like to have a chat with? A Northern Ireland person? Yeah. I suppose James Young, I suppose. Because, you know, he did really inspire me wow. from the word go. When I was at school and used to see him in the group theatre in those comedies, Yeah, I used to find it hilarious. And, I mean... Um, 
he talked like so many of my mother's cleaning ladies. It was just remarkable as far as I was concerned. Yeah. Um, another question here. Johnny asks, uh, Julian, you're an absolute Northern Irish icon. Uh, yeah. Matt, can you please ask him what's on now on the UTV? <laughs> what's on now? I think it's the second episode of Emmerdale. <laughs> if they haven't changed that, uh, that lineup again tonight, but uh, it should be Emmerdale. And then I think it's, oh, the station, uh, and the documentary at nine o'clock is about re- the the railway station. Nice, uh, true life documentary. So, mate, you've got I mean, it you've, all in your head. You you well, wired yeah, it because I, I mean, I've been talking about it all day, recording it. It's <laughs> when you do all that and then they change it all at the last minute. It really mucks you up. Like, yeah, I but, bet. Uh, so it's the station, not really something you can take a hand out of. Yeah, sure. Sure. Something something funny happened to it. Yeah, yeah. And indeed, the soaps now have gone very serious. Yes, they've got very serious. You know, there's so many serious. murders and child things and everything that are not quite distasteful. Yeah. I mean, I remember a Christmas that the Duckworth turkey was stolen by a dog and it ran all <laughs> around cor- the entries in Coronation Street. And they chased it, and that was nearly the whole episode. They dragged it through bushes and everything. And then they got the turkey off the dog, and they still cooked it and ate it. <laughs> yeah, you wouldn't so get that it, now, would you? No, you wouldn't get that now. And there are so many things that I used to say that you, I, I don't think you'd get away with now. Yeah. Uh, I have a friend, and he absolutely wets himself every time he meets someone called Vera. There's a clip of you um, on YouTube oh. talking about Big Vera's ashes. <laughs> Yes, that's right. Yes. It is just yes. so, so funny. Um, I mean, there used to be so many great characters that, you know, it was so easy to take a hand out of them. Yeah. And doing it the Belfast way, yeah. it didn't really sound that offensive. No, no. Yeah, because, I mean, you know, only I mean, people from I mean, here well, really we understood. say things in Belfast that, you know, you get... I mean, I used to talk about Liz McDonald running around in a skirt. You could see what you had for her dinner. <laughs> You know, well, if, and you're saying everything, but you're not really saying anything that's too yes. offensive. Yes, yeah. People. Um, uh, we message here from Chris. Chris says, as a living ledge in, <laughs> in NI and the voice of the nation, can you give us a soundbite and words of wisdom that we can turn to in our hour of darkness during isolation? <laughs> For now, well, you know, there's all this talk about the, all the various things you should be having to keep yourself healthy. Mm. Well, my mother had a cleaning lady a few years ago, and she used to say, you see, Vic, that you rub on your chest? Yeah. Just don't rub it on your chest, love. Get two fingers of it and put it on the back of your tongue and <laughs> swallow it. <laughs> and so and what's this supposed to do? Rain. Really? It <laughs> clears the phlegm and everything. And have you tried it? Does it work? No, I wouldn't do it. <laughs> Don't just rub it on, love. Swallow it. <laughs> Unbelievable. Uh, Julian, just final question. This is the question we always uh, end on. Uh, it's very simply this. If you could go back in time, okay, if time travel was a thing and you could go back to an 18-year-old version of yourself, what words of wisdom, what advice would you give an 18-year-old Julian? Uh, loosen up. Mm. That's what I would say because I was quite, um, you know, sort of I wasn't as as free and easy as I am now I was I was quite shy at that stage wow quite shy until about until I was about 20 
I, I was always I had an eye for fun and and a, a bit of a laugh, but at the same time I was shy. Yeah. Like after he throws, nothing shocks me now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm not the slightest bit shy. <laughs> <laughs> really? <laughs> no, not the slightest bit shy. Love I can tell you. Amazing. You know. Well, Julian, I really, really enjoyed that, and I know that people listening will really uh, something Thank positive, something kind. fun, something good crack. You know, amidst anyway. all of the. All the kind of uncertainty. It's good just to kick back and just have a good chat and a wee bit of crap. Absolutely, crack. And, and that's what we all need to do right now. Kick back and try not to worry. And the summer's coming in, and that's going to make things feel a whole lot better. As the temperature rises and the days get longer, it's going to be. It's going to make it slightly easier for us. Amazing. And you I never agree. know what how things are going to be by the end of the summer. Hopefully, a whole lot better. Absolutely. And hopefully you'll get back on your plane to Brazil soon enough. Absolutely. And remember, <laughs> Swally Vic. Whatever you do, Swally Vic love. You won't know yourself. Amazing, Julian. Thanks very much, man. Will do. And thank you for your time, Matt. It was very nice. No, Julian, it was really, really great. Thank you for your time. Cheers, man. Look after yourself in the meantime. Same to you. Cheers. Bye-bye. Bye-bye now. <laughs> so there you go. Just a bit of crack, just a bit of a lighthearted conversation. I really enjoy getting to know more about Julian. He's someone that, like most of you listening, I have seen my whole life but never really known much about. And uh, fantastic just to catch up with him there, see how he's doing during this time. And uh, yeah, I mean, thanks again to Julian just for sharing his time so generously and for taking the time to come on and have a chat to us. So Guys, thank you very much for listening. I really hope you enjoyed that. I had an absolute blast. If you'd like to recommend a guest for us to give a call over the next few weeks during the lockdown, we're doing a quarantine phone call every single day just to put some positive Northern Irish content out there. Uh, thank you so much for listening. If it's your first time checking out Best of Belfast, this is a great one to jump in. Super light, super fun, really great crack. It's not our usual format. It's not our usual style. We have done over 110 hour-long interviews with incredible people from Northern Ireland. They're usually face-to-face. They're usually very deep, nitty-gritty, going into people's highs, their lows, their successes. We've interviewed a whole bunch of well-known people like Shane Todd and Mary Peters, Foy Vance, Zoe Salmon, the priests. We've interviewed CEOs like Nick Whelan from Dale Farm, Terry George, the Oscar-winning director, all the way to Grace Chambers, a 91-year-old woman who still goes for a 5K run every single week. To Sarah Fryer, she's the CEO of a billion dollar Silicon Valley startup. Publicans like Willie Jack and Bill Woolsey and Janine Kane. To just some other absolute Northern Irish legends like John Linehan, aka May McFatridge, and much, much more. If you'd like to check out some of our other interviews, you can head to bestofbelfast.org where you can find photos and links uh, to all of our guests and all of our interviews. Massive, massive thank you to the Producers Club, the small group of people who love Northern Ireland and believe we have a better story to tell. We're a completely independent, ad-free show. We're supported exclusively by the support from listeners just like you. So if you're a part of the Producers Club, thank you so much. Thanks so much for all the questions you submitted. And massive shout out once again to Chris for making today's interview possible. Okay, that's it for me for now. Looking forward to sharing another phone call with you guys tomorrow. Until then, all the very best and please take care of yourself and your loved ones at this time. Cheers now. Hi guys, I'm Rob and I'm from Queensland and I'm a proud member of the Best of Belfast Producers Club. 
I listen to the podcast for a number of reasons. I love Belfast, Northern Ireland and the country and the people in it. I have a connection with Northern Ireland as our family came to Australia in the 1800s from the beautiful county of Fermanagh. I love what's going on in Belfast, the entrepreneurs, the innovation, the technology and the spirit. My favourite podcast is definitely the Tim Brundle episode, although I do have many other favourites. I support the podcast financially because I believe that quality work deserves fair financial support. It's important that we continue to hear about the amazing people of Northern Ireland and what they are achieving. So if you've been sitting on the fence about joining the Producers Club and you would really miss Best of Belfast if it wasn't here, as I would, I highly recommend considering joining today. You can do so over at bestofbelfast.org. And I look forward to seeing you in the WhatsApp group soon.